This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Raptors now the owners of a very prideful, a very, very impressive five-game win streak that has come over one week, five games, seven nights, three wins against the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference. And I think it may have worked out that the Bulls were the number one seed when they beat the Bulls and the Heat were the number one seed when they beat the Heat both times. I, If I'm not mistaken, either way, a hell of a week, and beating the Hawks twice. Once tonight with Trey Young and their full dispensary of, like, you know, their lottery picks, like DeAndre Hunter, who's fantastic, and then Trey Young, obviously, Onyeka Kongwu, but then guys like Clint Capella, who they got in a trade, who has been very good for them since being traded there. John Collins, who is awesome. John Collins is awesome. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, just a really, really good team. This is the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're, they're very good. They've been injured. They've been having a down year, absolutely. But Trey Young has just been bonkers this season. If you watch this game, you saw how much of <laughs> just an absolute beast he is on offense, how hard it is to try and handle him, to direct him, to funnel him where you want him on the court, and then to play the passing lanes that you think are available to him. But you really have no idea because some of the passes that he put on the floor tonight, just the viewer didn't see these passes. The defense didn't see these passes. The only person who saw them was Trey. And if you're on the Hawks and you're a big or even a cutting herder or hunter or something like that, you just got to keep those hands ready, baby. You just got to be ready for whatever's (laughs) coming your way. And I think the Raptors did an excellent, excellent job of defending the 1-5 pick and roll the Clint Capella, Trey Young pick and roll, which is still one of the best pick and rolls by points per possession in the NBA. It's one of the best plays in the NBA that anybody could run. They did a really good job of handling that. Much less effective handling the John Collins and uh, Trey Young pick and roll. John Collins had a lot of pop tonight. He got he got downhill quickly. He got off for lobs. He was making really clever cuts, pacing himself well, mirroring Trey and the Raptors. This was the story of the game for them on the defensive side of the ball is how do you solve Trey? And if not solve, how do you handle? How do you make it so that he feels somewhat mitigated? Like he doesn't have the freedom, the whole court in front of him to play around with. And to start this game out, that's kind of what it looked like. And through a series of different looks they threw at him, 
they kept him just off balance enough that their own offense could outpace him. And so early on in the game, they were just kind of playing to the level of the screen. So no hedge. Um, they were just trying to kind of shade that way and add a little bit of pressure to Trey Young at the level of the screen. And that didn't work out very well. They had to change from that. It worked a little bit better with Capella because he's not as quick on the draw as John Collins is. But it was really, really bad against John Collins to the point that it made set, <laughs> it made Siakam look like a really bad defender, even though he was just executing scheme. The the ability of Trey Young to get wide and create a passing lane and then get any pass anywhere is very, very you see it on the floor. And so it looks like Pascal's just like flat footed or getting beat, but he's executing a scheme and the scheme is not well prepared for what Trey is doing. So they move away from that and they start getting a mix of blitzes in there or funneling. So they're gonna have Pascal or Scotty or OG or Precious, Boucher, whoever is the big guarding the the screen, they're going to protect the man, okay? They're not going to allow the pass. This is one of the looks they were giving. And they're going to funnel the lock and trail with Trey. They're going to funnel Fred. Or sorry, they're going to funnel Trey down into the paint with Fred. He's going to contest from behind. And the guy on the strong side is going to lift up to Trey. And they're going to try and funnel him into floaters and stuff like that. That was some success, some not, but it was a little bit better than just letting him pick the Raptors apart with his passing, which is very much what happened in this game. So I liked the success of that, and especially when you factor in that they were also mixing in blitzes as well. I think that that was something that they eventually found kind of a footing in the game defending the pick and roll, especially especially in the in the middle of the game, I would say, because the second quarter, a lot of it was like Bogdanovich and the Raptors. They sat Pascal and Fred for almost half that quarter. Nick Nurse thought this was his opportunity after Pascal started off on that towards stretch to get these guys a blow that they just haven't gotten in like, I don't know, a month. It went very poorly for the Raptors. They still won the game, of course, but in the second and third quarters, I thought, and into the fourth quarter as well, the Raptors did a pretty good job defending Trey, because the pick and roll from Trey Young with Capella or John Collins, these are the best things in the NBA. They're they're very hard to stop. They're really high quality looks, no matter what. And I think they stopped enough of them to get through this game, even if everybody was gassed. If this isn't, you know, the fourth game in five nights, the fifth game in seven nights, I think maybe there's a potential that they would have switched more of these actions or hedged really hard and tried to scramble back and ask guys to rotate harder on the back end but the truth is the guys on the back end were a little bit slow-footed and Trey he maybe he's tired but his brain wasn't it was working overtime he was picking those guys apart they had no idea when they were tagging or kind of zoning up the weak side are we defending a pass right now to the corner or a lob because Trey with his eyes was just tricking them getting them out of the passing lanes he wanted getting them into spots where he could take advantage of them and so the Raptors had to change up the looks that he was getting You can't just give him a static pick-and-roll defensive package because he's going to recognize where the rotations come from. He's going to make adjustments on his end. And so the changeability of the Raptors in this game was helpful, even if it did kind of fall apart at the end of the game. And they ended up just going to OG Ananobi as his isolation defender. And OG, who had, I would say, a poor offensive game to some degree, really had two blocks on Trey in clutch time and was just fantastic as a defender on him, his primary 
And this is a guy who's defended heaps of all-star, superstar players down the stretch of games. And in this run, this five-game win streak, he's just been awesome. Be it DeMar, Jimmy Butler, Trey Young. Those are really, really big stars in this game. Those are three all-stars. Two of them are starting the game. And, you know, DeMar DeRozan has been in MVP talks. Butler, if he hadn't missed games, he would be there too. And OG is just done a really great job of defending these guys, and that was no different in this game either. And then when we look at how they're defending maybe Bogdanovich and Hunter, Hunter, it was very similar, actually, to the other game. Kevin Herter um, isn't... He obviously doesn't produce the same looks for teammates as Trey Young, but he did a pretty good job of working the offense around in the game earlier this week. So DeAndre Hunter's shot diet actually didn't look too different from tonight's. And I thought it wasn't as efficient tonight, but he, he put points up. He got into the middle of the defense. He drew fouls and he was able to take guys off, off the bounce on closeouts and stuff like that. And Bogdanovich, similar to Gary Trent Jr., he is a guy where you just kind of like, you shovel him the ball and that is offense in and of itself. He did a pretty good job for the second game in a row, creating against the Raptors, uh, getting to the second level at times, relying on his jumper at others. And so 18 and five, very similar stat line, including four steals, by the way. Same with DeLon Wright, four steals. Um, he, he had a really nice game against the Raptors. But the Raptors, I think, did just enough defensively to get out of this game alive. And thank goodness for Pascal just... Pascal had some, he had a game, man. He had a really great game. And, you know, it's all about just beating the other team. Every team is going to have letdown nights on one side of the floor or the other. And the Raptors certainly weren't at their defensive best tonight, but it was enough to take the win. And so I, I take solace in that. They probably too. They probably do too. And so hell yeah to them for figuring out just enough to get by the Hawks. Now, on offense... The the most encouraging thing about this, when I wrote about the, I did a breakdown on how the Raptors are attacking zone defenses and why they were failing at it. You've heard me talk about it on the podcast. You've heard it on the broadcast. If you take in any media around the Raptors, it was discussed because they were getting hammered in games because of zone defense. Portland obliterated them with the zone. Washington almost came back in a game with the zone. And I said, I think that this is something they'll have figured out much better by the time the all-star break um, ends. Yeah, I was just assuming like there'll be more film. They'll have a better idea of what to do. And in this game, Pascal broke the Hawks zone. Completely, the Hawks knew they had to get back into it because Pascal started getting the ball, got out to, I think, 8 of 10 from the floor shooting, completely disrupted everything that the Hawks wanted to do on defense, just busted them up in man-to-man. So... They went to zone, and Pascal said, bet, I'll, I'll take that. I will take the zone. I will bust it with a jumper. I will flash middle and just boogie on the dude inside if available. So whether they are in man, whether they're in zone, Pascal, he took the space afforded to him, whether it was as a, jump, as a shooter or whether it was as a guy who's in single coverage and will eat somebody alive. He found plays for himself to score the hell out of the basketball. I think he had 21 in the first quarter. He finished with 33, as is the case with guys who are close to the big man position. A lot of what you do is somewhat reliant on how the team services your possessions. This is why Nick Nurse prior to tonight's game said that he worries about not getting OG enough touches sometimes. And that's because OG isn't a 
they've found this year, obviously, that the creation boon for him has been more as a guy below the break posting up rather than it is a classic initiator above the break who's going to take pick and roll possessions or isolations, anything like that. And Pascal Siakam, while a much better handler above the break, still isn't that prolific in that sense. And so getting mismatches, going into post-ups, drawing doubles and stuff like that, those are really great looks for him. That's an incredible hub of offense for the Raptors. But sometimes they're a bit too eager to move away from it. And it is an offense that spreads the ball around like crazy. And in the first quarter, Pascal basically did a really good job of calling his own shot. But that did wane throughout the game. And there were runs that the Hawks made where you felt like, and where the Raptors offense struggled, where Pascal didn't stop rewarding any of these mismatches. He didn't stop taking advantage. He was he was making shots, whatever position he was in. He was He was giving great looks to others. You were getting great looks. It's just that sometimes the ball doesn't end up in his hands. The Raptors are preoccupied running something else, trying to do something else. And in this game, they did move away from that. So finishing with 33, I don't even think that really properly reflects how explosive an offensive performance this was. Neither do the four assists. He passed into quite a few free throw attempts as well. He was so dominating. And I wish, uh, you can't complain too much after a win, but on those runs, I did find myself saying, why the hell isn't Pascal more involved in the offense here? And maybe he's gassed. Maybe when he's walking up the floor or like inbounding to Fred, he really is. But just between those two or OG or Scotty saying like, this possession, you take it. I'm going weak side. And that, that could be an absolute possibility because you can see Pascal defensively, offensively, he's killing himself every game. There's a lot of work to be done that's expected of him and that he's been doing. But they did move away from him. But his ability to get middle in this game and just completely slice and dice the slice and dice the Hawks defense was remarkable. It's he's had a few of these games in this run where he just looks like one of the most impactful players in the NBA. He completely is a, a dominating force that the other team has no fix for. They use their big strong defender, he out finesses them. They use a quicker defender, he bullies them. Like even Capella tried to keep pace, right? And if Capella can cover enough ground, he can make it so that Siakam can't get to the bucket. He can't get directly to the rim. But Siakam can take advantage of Capella in one-on-one by getting to a nice little like 10-foot fader, 8-foot push shot, because Capella knows that Siakam's faster. So he's not staying on Piat Pascal Siakam per se. He's trying to beat him to the bucket if he chooses to go there. And that means that Pascal in isolation can shed Capella. If he gets hurter in isolation, he will put him under the basket. You know what I mean? And the Hawks, they just didn't have a guy, even DeAndre Hunter, who is a really sharp defender. And, and John Collins has done a really great job defending guys his size. He can't defend the five. That's why they have Capella. But Collins has come a long way as a defender as well. And Pascal just, nobody had anything for him. He completely dominated everybody that came his way. And that was especially apparent early on. Also filtering into this was Fred VanVleet, who was also just awesome. Really, really good. Um, his deny defense on Trey, I thought, was really nice. Um, they took seconds off the clock. He made them work to get into actions. He wasn't as effective in straight-up pick-and-roll packages as you know many defenders are who specialize in that. But in the blitzes, I thought he was good. He attacked the ball. He made life hell for him. And even though his arms aren't the same length, 
I thought he was good too. And so, yeah, I, I like the defense for Fred, even if he wasn't put in the strongest position for him with all the, the screen help that Trey obviously plays with. But offensively, he put Trey in hell the other way. And the 26 points, really 10 of 18, like 5 of 10 from 3. Yes, he shoots the 3. Of course he does. And when he was able to relocate and get open, the catch-and-shoot stuff, it's pure. A couple pull-ups. But mostly the ability to get middle in this game, put Trey in jail, and then this is something Trey loves to put other players in jail. And Fred put him in jail, got middle. I think he had four mid-range jumpers in this game. <laughs> Capella, Collins, Onyeka, Kongu, whoever, they wanted to drop deep. They really wanted to protect the rim. They wanted to prioritize that. And Fred was like, if you're giving me middle, I will take middle. And this is a, this is something that has been missing from Fred's game leading up until this season. Something that teams in a playoff setting played him for. We will force him middle, and he just will reset the offense. He And you know what I mean? Like, if the jumper isn't there for him from three, would the, he will move on to another progression, and it won't be anything that the Raptors really like. That's where he was at. This season, though, the volume from mid-range has been good. The percentage from mid-range has been good, and it's a real weapon for him. And this game, I thought, was a masterful masterful um, technique in getting to that shot and really exploiting Trey's on-ball defense. I thought he was great, and he made a ton of good passes tonight. I just, I, I, I did the quick reaction. I gave both Pascal and Fred A-pluses in this game. I thought, I thought they were both tremendous. And, you know, maybe Pascal was an A-plus-plus or whatever, but A-plus is the max. So I, th- I thought they were both worthy of an A-plus in this game. 26-4-11, he was really strong. And, and Gary Trent, I thought, had such a unique game. Because he, and it sounds weird to say, because he had one assist in this game. He took 17 shots. Pascal had 33 and only took 16 shots. Like, Gary Trent scored 19 points and took one more shot than Pascal in this game. But this game still leaned very unselfish to me in that Gary Trent Jr. was operating solely as, like, a possession savior. If things weren't going well, if they needed to stop a run or something like that. They gave him the ball and asked him to create off the bounce, get into a jumper that with him, it isn't the highest efficiency offense, but it's a higher efficiency offense than many other players who are taking that same shot. And Gary Trent, whether he was getting into a spot where he could space the floor, help other guys really salvage something from possession or getting the ball in late clock and getting to a look that he was comfortable with. He had enough of those. And it seemed like a very unselfish application of his own skills. I didn't feel like he was hijacking the offense. It felt like he plugged in in all the perfect scenarios. And 19 points on 17 possessions isn't crazy. But there's absolutely a reason that he was a plus 18 in this game. Because his spacing was essential. And he came in and saved possessions that a lot of guys just aren't capable of doing. I thought he was good. And Scotty, I mean, Scotty continues to impress me just because of how he fits in next to Stars. He's pushing in transition way more as a runner than he was at the start of the season. There was a point in time where he was basically only running out in transition if he had the ball. Otherwise, he'd be pretty slow coming up the floor. Now, he's really getting up there because I think he sees, oh yeah, Pascal is going to see me. I'm going to get a hit ahead. There's points to be scored here. And especially with the Raptors doing so much post-ups lately, and especially like the mismatches, if he beats a guy down the floor, even if the defender he wants to post up isn't on the strong, isn't on the side of the floor with him, 
He'll just cut to the other side and post up like Kevin Herter and be like, give me the ball. I did the early work. I did the early work. Let me get this, like, let me get this post touch. And a lot of times he'll get the post touch. He made a lot of clever passes. Um, some passes I thought were like silly. And he really, he put himself in tough positions like a few too many times, the five turnovers. Th- that isn't bad luck or anything. He made some bad passes tonight. And, but you know what? 69 and four, he got to the rim enough. And he just, he was a wonderful supplemental player tonight. And he's, he's going against type in a lot of these situations. He's stretching out beyond the, the arc. He's trying to be, the uncomfortable aspects of his game are where he's stretching his legs. And he's finding just enough time to do all the things he's good at as well. And defensively, um, there's no question he's, if, if you look at Pascal, Barnes, Van Vliet, and an OB Gary Trent Jr., most nights Barnes will be the worst defender of that starting five. And I, I think that was probably the case tonight. But it's not like he's costing you points every time down the floor. But the, Trey Young, really, his eyes did a number on Scotty in this game. He looked him out of places. He looked him into places and stuff like that. But I still think Scotty, he brought it tonight as he's done basically every night. And, you know, really good game from Scotty. I was very impressed with his ability to kind of pare down some of his, his other um, parts of his game to fit in next to when Pascal had it going or when Fred had it going. And then, of course, off the bench, as per usual, the gruesome twosome, the two towers, Precious, that you and Chris Boucher. Um, relative to, like, when, when we're thinking about the Raptors during that, that crazy stretch where they're basically playing nobody and they had injuries to, like, OG or, or Pascal or anybody, right? And, or Fred, even. And they're playing, like, 36 33 minutes a night. Those are really great games for them. But this, as far as both guys playing roughly like 18 minutes, well, let's let's say 19 minutes each in a game, right? That they aren't asked to just completely save the world and be a bench big who comes in and plays 36 minutes. That's an oddity in the NBA. Not very many players average 36 minutes a game, obviously. But to ask bench bigs as a duo to come in and do that, that's unique. As far as Asking them to be like, okay, you're playing more of a a regular bench role as a big. The lineups are still going to be funky, but you're going to play more regular intervals. I thought they were both awesome. Boucher, I mean, he didn't miss a shot all night. Three offensive boards, five defensive ones. His defense remains like energetic. I didn't think I didn't think the closeouts were that sharp tonight. I didn't think the rotations on the back end were that sharp tonight. But I tell you what, the the cutting. And uh, the hunting for offensive rebounds on the offensive side of the floor, you really felt Chris Boucher, like his ability to get into winning spots was, you really felt that. And he continuously beat guys with just energy and hustle and got into, into great positions. And then Precious, I mean, some of these possessions were like a horror show where he had the ball and you're like, what the hell is he going to do with it? But on the other hand, he took on Yeka Kongwu off the bounce, got directly to the rim, and hit a floater, and hit two corner threes. And the defense at the rim was affecting, as it always is. I thought, I thought they both, as a, a, a duo, were quite good off the bench. I, I, thought, I thought Boucher was a little bit better, but you're, kind of, you're splitting hairs at that point. I think they both operated as bench big, came off the bench, and did positive things. So, well done to them. Banton... Uh, like a quiet game in some respects, but 
the defense is there, you know, especially with the bench guys, because their roles are so limited with, it kind of feels like you're saying the same things night in and night out, but that means they're doing good because especially for a guy like Banton, yes, every once in a while, like that Hornets game, I'm able to talk about, oh yeah, he he was used in like a Spain pick and roll and, oh, he snaked a pick and roll here and he he cut against, you know, the weak side zone here and you get to talk about all that kind of stuff. But in a lot of these games, he's just trying to defend with his length and push the ball for opportunities in transition or pseudo transition. And if he doesn't find those, he's just resetting and then not doing much on offense. He'll hunt for boards if he can. He'll make a slick pass if he can. But not that much is available to him in these performances because the Raptors, big guys, I mean, whether it's Barnes, Siakam, Fred, OG, Gary, whatever, they are taking a lot of the ball and deservedly so. And so Banton is just plugging in where he can and trying not to take away from those other guys. And I think tonight he did a pretty good job of that. But that also means that he wasn't able to do anything uber meaningful. So I'm just like, hell yeah, Banton. Um, Nurse obviously values him as part of the rotation now. So he'll keep getting minutes. He just has to defend and he'll stick. So yeah, Kem, he came in for a blow and the offensive movement was really rough. But that's, uh, you know, that's that it is what it is at that point. Reggie Evans Award, I'm going with OG Ananobi, the defense, the boards. And, like, I, I I do love the idea that somebody who only started watching the Raptors during the championship season, because when a team wins a championship, you get a lot of extra fans. Like, if Vince Carter was dunking the hell out of the basketball, people started watching basketball in Canada because of Vince Carter. People started watching basketball in Canada because of Damar and Kyle and the success of the We the North era and the championship as well. And so Reggie Evans, I wonder what people who listen to this podcast and hear me reference him every single game think he is, right? Who is Reggie Evans? Why is every good player who hustles Reggie Evans? Because that's like the award, right? It's like, you know, you bust your ass, you get the Reggie Evans award, or at least you bust your ass in a way that I'm able to perceive or something, right? And Yeah, I really wonder, you know, what what some people who never watched Reggie Evans think of Reggie Evans. Like, who is this mysterious player who is the, you know, purveyor of all good role player things, even though he was much more limited than a lot of the players that get the Reggie Evans award. You know what I mean? That that interests me to to no end. But yeah, OG, uh, I thought he had a really good game defensively, especially at the end there, right? Just absolutely just taking everything that was working for the Hawks late in the game and saying, nope. And uh, yeah, and then on the boards, helping out too. It was great to see. Top quick reaction comment from Luke Warm Water. You are stacking up a lot of these, brother. The people like you. They like when you write stuff down. And they say, here's an upvote. He gets a lot of these. Luke Warm Water, quote, Raptors soaring, Hawks grounded. Now as I humbly pontificated with my one remaining descendant brain cell from Nostradamus, one spicy pea was going to go off tonight. My, 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 what a first quarter, and what a statement to Adam Silver in the NBA that just another backhanded slap to the Raptors by not selecting Pascal as an alternate to the All-Star game. Once again, the volcano, that's right, I'm talking about OG going off uh, at Clutchville time with numerous big-time moves late in the game to help the Raps pull away with another victory. Eh, spicy said at best, 160 minutes, man, if my team is winning, bring on 160 minutes. My eyeballs are saying, bring, the, bring on the Raptors every night. Mrs. Lukewarm Water has found a new love, none other than Scotty Barnes. I truly can't blame her. End quote. Yeah, man, uh, Scotty Barnes, to quote him, you know the vibes. Uh, he's a very magnetic personality. 
um, seems like incredibly lovable. Obviously, I like Scotty Barnes a lot. Um, he, he's fantastic. He's funny. He's goofy, and he's tremendously overpowering as a driver. And even Clint Capella feels that. As far as like just the guys playing good, I mean, your statement said it itself. I'm just happy that I got to read it on the podcast, and everybody got to hopefully uh, feel. Uh, the palpable energy that exudes from what you've written here. Lukewarm water. I hope you have a great night. I hope you enjoy the game on Monday. And I hope you do too, listener. I hope you enjoyed this one tonight. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.